chapter six, concluding survey, Atlantis and spiritual evolution. Widening the perspective still further, Rudolf Steiner surveys in an extraordinary far-seeing manner the whole sweep of humanity's evolution, almost apocalyptic in scope. His vision nevertheless remains true to the principle from which he started out, being grounded in the inner connections between human consciousness and the greater world, the macrocosm in which it evolved. Far from being exhausted, the potentialities of human consciousness still point to even more significant transformations of the world in the future. The first human beings appeared comparatively late in the Earth's evolution. And at that time, they had a very different constitution from the present. I cannot describe to you the forms of those human beings which first crystallized, so to speak, out of the spirit. <clears throat> Although you have already heard much that is difficult to believe, you would be too greatly shocked if I were to describe to you the grotesque forms of the bodies in which your souls were then incarnated. You would not be able to bear such a description. However, at a later date, when those beings which are only now beginning to come to the consciousness of people through anthroposophy, anthroposophy, when they increasingly penetrate people's consciousness, this will have to be made known and it will have a tremendous result. It will be extremely important to the whole life of human beings. For only when human beings learn how their bodies have developed, how the organs they now possess have gradually developed out of entirely different forms, will they feel the remarkable relationship which exists between organs in the human body which today are apparently far apart. They will then see the correspondence between certain organs, for example, people, for example, between the appendix and the windpipe, which is the earlier, which in their earlier form grew together in those remarkably formed beings. All that is human being today is the previous form unrolled, as it were, the previous form unfolded in the most various and varied of ways. Organs which today are separated, formally grew together. They have, however, kept their relationship. And very frequently, this relationship is manifested in illnesses. 
Let me repeat that. <clears throat> For only when human beings learn how their bodies have developed, how the organs they now possess have gradually developed out of entirely different forms, will they feel the remarkable relationship which exists between organs in the human body, which today are apparently far apart. They will then see the correspondence between certain organs, for example, the appendix and the windpipe, which in the earlier form grew together in those remarkably formed beings. All that is human being today is the previous form unrolled, as it were, the previous form unfolded in the most varied ways. Organs which today are separated formally grew together. They have, however, kept their relationship, and very frequently this relationship is manifested in illnesses. It is seen that when a certain organ is diseased, another one becomes diseased in consequence. Hence, those who really study medicine will have to make many discoveries of which present-day medicine, which is only a collection of notes, has no inkling. Only then will physicians really learn something about the true nature of man. All this is merely to point out how entirely different people's earlier form was. The solid parts were only built into this human form gradually. There were originally no bones in the human body, and when it had already descended, even when it had already descended. The bones developed out of soft cartilaginous structures, which traversed the human body like cords. These in turn originated from quite soft substances. And these soft substances from fluid ones, and the fluid ones from airy ones, and the airy ones from etheric ones, and the etheric from the astral ones, which had densified from spiritual substantiality. If you trace it back, you will find that everything material has originated from spirit. Everything already exists in the spirit world. It was only in the Atlantean epoch that the bones which previously existed only in predisposed form, actually developed in human beings. We must now examine Lemurian mankind more closely. We will then understand the writer of the apocalypse better. I need only indicate that following the first period, when the moon had separated from the earth and human beings descended, their will was very different in nature from what it became later. At that time, the will of human beings worked magically. It could affect the growth of flowers, 
when they exerted their will, they could make a flower shop, a flower shoot up quickly. A capacity which can only be acquired today by an abnormal process of development. Hence, at that time, the natural surroundings depended upon how the human will was constituted. If it was good, it worked soothingly upon the billowing waters, upon the storm and upon the fiery structures that were then all around. For the earth was, a, was to a great extent of a volcanic nature. Human beings worked soothingly upon all this by means of good will and destructively by means of evil will. <clears throat> Thus the human will was in complete correspondence with its environment. The land masses upon which human beings then lived were destroyed entirely by the evil will of the human beings. And only a small part of humankind saved itself. We have again here the distinguish between race development and soul development. Into our epoch, an epoch which we can describe in proper words because we can now find terms in our language that are adequate for the depiction of what clairvoyant consciousness perceives. After this catastrophe, we come to the ancient Atlantean epoch when the human race developed on a continent which now forms the bed of the Atlantic Ocean between the present Europe and America. At that time, human beings lived under very different physical conditions. At the beginning of the Atlantean epoch, they were a structure which perceived in quite a different way from present human beings. They still had a kind of spiritual vision because the construction of their bodies was different from what it is now. The etheric body was not yet so firmly bound up with the physical body. The etheric body of the head extended far beyond the physical body. Only towards the last third of the Atlantean epoch did the projecting etheric body draw inwardly and take the form of the present physical human head. Since the form of the ancient Atlanteans was so very different from that of present human beings, and the parts of their being were so differently joined together, their whole consciousness, the whole soul life was also different. And here, if we wish to understand the writer of the apocalypse, we must touch upon a very important but very mysterious chapter. If you were to enter this ancient Atlantis, you would find that it was surrounded not by such pure air as the present earth, but by, but by air saturated with volumes of mist, with water, this air became clearer and more transparent the further the Atlanteans developed. 
but but the mists were densest where the more advanced civilizations developed. That is why the thickest mists were, and from these, the foundations of the later cultures developed. Atlantis was covered far and wide by these mists, a division of rain and sunshine, such as we have today, did not exist. Hence, in ancient Atlantis, what you know as the rainbow could not appear. You might search the whole of Atlantis and you would hardly find it. Only when the condensation of the water led to flooding, when the great flood spread itself over the earth, could the rainbow come into physicality. And this is a point where on the basis of spiritual science, you will gain the greatest respect for the religious records. For when you are told that after the flood, Noah, the representative of those who saved mankind, sees the rainbow first appear, this is really a historical event. After the flood, mankind saw the first rainbow. Previously, it was an impossibility, simply from the point of view of physics. <clears throat> Here, you can see how profound and how literally true the religious records are today. Many people are distressed when one says that the religious records are literally true. Many quote a saying which is true. It is quoted, however, by lazy people, not as a true statement, but because they are lazy. It is the saying, the letter killeth but the spirit giveth life. From this, they deduce the right to take no notice at all of what is written in the records, no longer to need to recognize what the records actually say, for they are the dead letter, they claim. And so they like to let their intellect shine and concord all sorts of fantasies. These persons may indeed be very clever with their explanations, but that is not the point. The point is that we ought really to see the records, what they contain. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life, has the same significance in mystical language as Goeth's saying, die and then become again. You are but a somber guest on earth's dark and gloomy plain. <clears throat> this saying does not mean if you wish to lead someone to a higher knowledge, you must slay him. It means that it is precisely through the culture of the physical world that human beings must uplift themselves to spirituality. In the same way that the letter is the body of the spirit, and we must first process and understand the letter, then we may say that we can find the spirit in it. The letter, the understood letter, 
must then die so that the spirit may be resurrected from it. This saying is not an injunction to fancy anything you please about what is contained in the religious records. When we recognize the true significance of the rainbow as we have represented it, something like deep respect for the religious records penetrates our soul and we gain an idea of how through a deeper knowledge based on anthroposophy, human beings attain a true and genuine feeling for religious documents and a truly purposeful understanding of them. Let us look back to ancient Atlantis. We have already said that the man then lived in a different state of consciousness and that his memory was different from what it is now. But the difference is much greater. If we go back, not merely into the latter, later periods of Atlantis, but to the beginning, we find a human consciousness very different from what we possess today. Let us once more consider our present consciousness during the day a person uses his senses. At night, he goes to sleep. In his bed lie the physical body and the etheric body. The astral body and the ego withdraw. The sphere of consciousness darkens. Human beings today see nothing and hear nothing. Then in the morning, when the astral body and the ego re-enter the physical body and etheric body, physical objects once more confront them. How was it? in the early Atlantean age. Let us take a moment when in the morning human beings plunged into their physical and etheric bodies. At that time, they did not find a physical world around them such as we have today. All the present objects, which are now seen with clear outlines, were then seen as if surrounded with an aura, with colored edges, quiet indistinctly. In ancient Atlantis, the appearance was somewhat similar to what is now seen when in the evening there is a dense fog and you see the street lamps not clearly but surrounded by colored edges. Thus it was in early Atlantis all objects were seen indistinctly, not with clear outlines. And surfaces as today, everything was, in, was as if enveloped in clouded mist. Only gradually have clear outlines developed. Had we looked at a rose in the first part of Atlantis, it would have been as if a cloudy structure arose with a red disk in the middle. Only gradually did the external color appear to be laid on the surface. Only later did objects obtain sharp outlines. Hence, you see the physical world surrounding human beings quite differently in ancient Atlantis. It was also different when at night they rose out of their physical body, when, shall we say, they went to sleep. Really, it was not sleep, 
in the present sense. The entire world of the misty physical formations remained below, and a spiritual world arose, possessing no sharp outlines. Human beings lived within a spiritual world. Spiritual beings were their companions. In the first part of the Atlantean age, day and night alternated in such a way that when human beings plunged into their physical bodies, they had only hazy, indistinct pictures of the physical world. But when at night they left their physical bodies, they were able to live spiritually, although somewhat indistinctly, among spirits. They moved among spirits, and above all, People's entire life of feeling was also different in the Atlantean epoch. At that time, when they went out of their physical and etheric bodies, they did not feel fatigued and the need for rest. They did, neither did they find rest. They had to enter into the spiritual world that was then their sphere of activity. On the other hand, when the morning came, they felt the need for rest and sought out their resting place, which was their own body. There they lay peacefully. They crept into their own body and rested during the day. Thus, in the first period of Atlantis, things were entirely different from now. During the Atlantean epoch, a process took place in which human beings gradually passed one set of conditions into their opposite. This was caused by the etheric body increasingly being driven into the physical body and occurred during the last third of the Atlantean epoch. Before this event, human beings felt themselves as waking beings above in the spiritual world. But as such, they did not say I to themselves. They did not possess consciousness of self. When they withdrew from their physical and etheric bodies in order to go into the brilliance of the night, they felt themselves to be members of the spiritual world, which was above. They felt themselves safely protected, one might say, in their group soul. It always became bright around them during the night, but they felt themselves to be dependent on that world. Just as our finger belongs to our ego, so human beings felt that they belonged to the group souls, which are represented clairvoyantly as the four heads of the lion, the eagle, bull, and man, described in the Apocalypse of St. John. Side note here, those are the four fixed signs in astrology. The line is the Leo, the eagle is the Scorpio, the bull is Taurus, and the man is Aquarius. Okay. <clears throat> Human beings felt themselves transported into one such group soul. And only when snail-like they were in their bodily shells 
that they feel that they possess something of their own. For the reason that humans developed as independent beings was the result of their being able to envelop themselves in their bodies, your temple. They had, however, to pay for this confinement in their bodies with the gradual obscuration of spiritual world until it had completely withdrawn. In its place, the world which they saw below when they were in the physical bodies became brighter and clearer. In this way, it gradually dawned upon them that they were egos, that they had consciousness of self within themselves. They learned to say I to themselves. If we wish to characterize what took place at that time, we must imagine human beings creeping out of their snail shells into the spiritual world. There they were among spiritual divine beings. There they hear from outside themselves the name of what they are. One group heard the word, which in the original language was the word for the group. Another group heard a different word. Human beings could not name themselves from within. Their name sounded into them from without. When they thus crept out of the snail shell of their body, they knew what they were because this knowledge was intoned into their souls. Then, when in their body they learned to perceive the physical environment, they learned to feel themselves as I. They learned to feel within themselves the divine power which had previously sounded to them from outside. They learned to feel God within themselves, the God who was closest to them, who referred to their ego. This God was the guide of the ego. And human beings felt the power of this God arising within their ego. External events were associated with this. When the ancient Atlanteans thus descended into the physical bodies and looked out into space, they did not see an actual rainbow. In the place where the sun later emerged, they saw something like a circle formed of color. The sun did not yet penetrate with its power, but made itself felt through the mist. Though, in, though hindered and held back by the fog, its forces influenced the earth. It appeared very gradually. Thus, all that, has, that we have described as the awakening of external consciousness was connected with the emergence of the sun from the mist. What existed up above were the six other spirits who together with God guided earth evolution.
had their globe gradually emerged and shone down upon the earth in deeds. <clears throat> what had taken place in human beings when previously they rose out of their bodies when it was night, their soul and spirit entered into the inner astral brilliance, which does not require the external sun. The brilliance surrounding them it was the same light from mighty spiritual beings which later shone down physically from the sun as they gradually enclosed themselves more and more in their physical consciousness the door of inner vision was closed darkness surrounded them when at night they left their physical and etheric bodies and entered the spiritual world the external light rep representing the deeds of the spiritual beings of the sun grew to the same extent to which human beings became confined. The light of the spiritual beings shone externally on the earth. Human beings prepared themselves to look upon the external light as something material. The light shone in his darkened inner being, but the light was not at that time comprehended by his darkness. This is a cosmic process in world history. Human beings acquired consciousness of self through spiritual darkening. In this way, human beings grew away from the brilliance of the group souls. But it was only the first, the very first dawning of individuality. It was a long, long time before they really grew to possess it. The last period of the Atlantean age passed away and the flood came. The post-Atlantean epoch began. Ancient India, ancient Indian culture passed away. True consciousness of self had not yet developed. Then came the Iranian and Babylonian Egyptian ages. Human beings gradually matured in order to develop an inner consciousness of self. At length, the fourth age arrived. At this stage, something of tremendous importance took place, which had been prepared by all that had previously happened. Imagine yourself now uplifted from the earth to a distant star, gifted with clairvoyant vision, looking down to the earth from that distant star. You could see, you could then see that this earth as a physical body is just that. And that an etheric body and an astral body belong to it, just as with human beings. The earth has all this too. You would see the earth surrounded by its aura. And from that star, you would be able to follow the development of the earth's aura over thousands of years. You would see the earth surrounded by all sorts of colors in the center, the physical kernel, and around it, the aura floating in various forms and colors. The spiritual atmosphere of the earth would reveal many different structures. You would see these colors and forms change in various ways in the course of the millennia. But there would come a moment, a moment of great importance when the whole aura assumed a different form and color. Seen from outside, the earth would then appear in a new light. 
you would see this event taking place extremely quickly so that you could say, from this moment, a fundamental transformation of the earth took place. Its aura has changed completely. What is this moment? It is the moment when upon Golgotha, the blood flowed from the wounds of the Redeemer. The moment is an extremely important one, the most important moment in the whole of the earth's evolution. The moment when the blood flows from the wounds of the Redeemer is the same as that which in which the aura of the earth reshapes itself. An entirely new power is created, the power which gives the most important impulse to the evolution of earth, for which all that we have considered up to now was only the preparation. To the chemist, the blood of Golgotha is the same as any other blood, but in reality is quite different. It signifies that the substance of the blood flows down to the ground and that its equivalent in the spirit fills the aura of the earth with new impulses and new forces which have signified, which have significance for the future evolution of mankind. From there, the forces which change the earth radiate out. From there, they radiate out through human beings. Only a small part of what flowed in at the moment has been realized up to now. Human beings will increasingly learn to understand what the earth has become through the moment of Golgotha and what human beings can develop towards in the consciousness which they have gained since Atlantis. What then have human beings gained since Atlantis? Two things, ego consciousness and the faculty of sight in the external world. What was previously open to them, the spiritual world has been closed. These earlier human beings did indeed see what was subsequently related by the myths. Wotan, Mercury, Jupiter, Zeus. They saw all these beings at night. They were among them. The door to these spiritual beings has closed. In their place, human beings have gained the world which now surrounds them. The spirits have withdrawn from them. All that they were able to see at that time has disappeared. Formerly, they saw the divine when they slipped out of the snail shell of their physical bodies. Now they had to see the divine in a physical body if it was to appear before them. This means nothing less than that we have to receive the divine in a shape which is visible in the body because human consciousness has become adapted to physical vision. And for this reason, the divine itself had to assume bodily physical form. This is why on a single occasion in the evolution of the ages of divine appearance on the earth in a physical body, it had to appear in this form because human beings had advanced to the stage of perception. 
it had to be presented in this way that their perception so that they could understand it. And all the appearances which had previously taken place at other stages of evolution had to be united in that greatest event in the history of the earth, an event which will throw light on the whole of the future and which we shall know and which we shall now unveil as the basis of the apocalypse. They were united in that event which had the physical appearance of drops of blood flowing to the ground and the, and the clairvoyant appearance of something rising up which changed the aura of the earth. The force which then flowed in will work together with the earth throughout the whole future. The earth soul, the spirit of the earth, was at that time injected with something new. The Christ principle united with the earth at that time, and the earth has become the body of the Christ principle. So that the statement, those who eat my bread, tread me underfoot, is literally true. When human beings eat the bread of the earth, they eat the body of the earth. And this is the body of the spirit, which as the spirit of Christ has been united with the earth since the event of Golgotha. And when human beings walk upon the earth body, they tread this body underfoot. Everything can be comprehended literally if only we are able to, to we are able first of all to understand the texts in the right way. To such a man as the writer of the St. John's Gospel, all that he knew, all that he could grasp with his spiritual vision was a challenge to understand the great event in the evolution of the earth. The things he learned through clairvoyant vision were used by him to understand Christ and his work. It was the intention of the writer of the apocalypse to use all of his esoteric knowledge <clears throat> to explain the event of Galactic. Golgatha. Whatever he could learn from esoteric science was regarded by him as wisdom, serving to help him understand the event which he has placed before us in such wonderful way. And that concludes chapter six. This concludes the work of Um, this book. Selections from the work of Rudolf Steiner, The Fate of a Lost Land and Its Secret Knowledge, Atlantis. Uh, the wisdom contained in this book is not derived via the usual methods of scholarly and historical research. Neither is it based on theory or speculation. Rudolf Steiner acquired his original contribution to human knowledge from metaphysical dimensions of reality, which are hidden to most people, but visible to anybody who is prepared to develop spiritual means of perception. 
With his philosophical and scientific training, Steiner brought a new systemic discipline to the field of spiritual research, allowing for fully conscious methods of comprehensive results. A natural seer, he cultivated his spiritual vision to a high degree, enabling him to speak with authority on previously veiled mysteries. A sample of his work is to be found in this book of edited texts, which brings together excerpts from his many talks and writings on the theme of Atlantis. This volume also features an editorial introduction, commentary, and notes. Rudolf Steiner, 1861 to 1925, called his spiritual philosophy anthroposophy, 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 which can be understood as wisdom of the human being. From his spiritual investigations, he provided suggestions from the renewal of many activities, including education, both general and special, agriculture, medicine, economics, economics, architecture, science, philosophy, religion, and the arts. Today, there are literally thousands of schools, clinics, farms, and other organizations doing practical work based on his principles. His many published works, uh, writings, and lectures also feature his research into the spiritual nature of human being, the evolution of the world, and humanity, and methods of personal development. Steiner wrote some 30 books and delivered over 6,000 lectures across Europe. In 1924, he founded the General Anthroposophical Society, which today has branches throughout the world. And I will add a side note here that much of Steiner's um, developments came from his teacher, Madame Blavatsky. So much credit is uh, due to her and her studies. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, me reading to you this quick, short book. Um, I do not... Uh, subscribe and believe a hundred percent of it but i figured it is a good material to begin with and i hope that it has if anything opened your mind to uh, greater possibilities for yourself and the future of humanity thank you